guest, the evil nun, never left. Today I'm talking about The Nun 2. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about The Nun 2, which is obviously the sequel to The Conjuring spin-off The Nun. And uh, yeah, this one I actually liked a lot better than I thought I might because, well, for reasons I'll get into, but also because uh, I didn't necessarily expect to like it so much because the first one I didn't wasn't a huge fan of. So let's get started. I'll be the first to admit that The Conjuring franchise has probably overextended itself. At this point, we've had three mainline Conjuring movies that are two for three, three movies about the doll and other cursed objects, also two for three, and also a main villain from the second Conjuring movie, The Nun, is on her second go-round. Which, considering how lackluster the first movie was, I didn't have high hopes for number two, which meant that even a small improvement, as this one was, was an unexpected surprise. Set four years after the firm first film, Sister Irene is doing her best to live a quiet convent life in the French countryside after barely escaping the demonic Vladek at her with her life. But Sister Irene's bat- battle has just begun, because it appears that the man who saved her life is carrying Vladek with her, him, leaving a trail of horrific murders and a, perhaps a trail to a powerful religious artifact in his wake. Now Sister Irene will have to find her friend and banish the powerful demon once again. So this works a lot better than it should for three big reasons. Scope, structure, and direction. So let's start with scope. Something that the first Nun movie was attempting to do was broaden the look and feel of the Conjuring movies by going to a bigger and more evocative location than, say, a small house or a creepy room. For American audiences in particular, you can lean on old statuesque buildings and even footfalls you can't and and even footfalls you don't expect that can make your spine shiver. However, the Nun didn't quite work because it didn't make full use of the space. Everything felt so open that you kept wondering why everyone didn't just, I don't know, run the hell away and leave this godforsaken place in the countryside alone. For part two, the movie smartly begins with the small nooks and crannies of these old structures that naturally hide light or shadows where things can move about before going bigger in the final act. It means previously established large structures like a bell tower or a wine cellar can be used to their full extent. Is it more of a blockbuster movie than traditional horror? Yes, but I think it works here. Blending a demon fight with running from a crumbling structure is a nice blend of tensions and means you can give the audience a quick reprieve before throwing them into the fire again. We also have structure. The second bit that works here so well is a split story that melts towards the end. On the one end, we have Maurice, who is possessed and doesn't know it, who is working as a handyman in a girl's boarding school, and who has befriended a single mother and her daughter. And once it's clear that Maurice is possessed, we flip to Sister Irene, who is trying to track down Maurice and purge said demon before it takes his life and gets its hands on a powerful item that could make it unstoppable. It's a nice variation on the usual setup, for instance, the church is usually brought in versus attempting to track someone down, and helps Sister Irene introduce and work through some personal baggage related to her family and the trauma of what happened last time. It also means a good chunk of the movie is dedicated to the detective work, which is always one of my favorite parts of these kinds of movies. And by the movie's end, and our two storylines combined, both groups are going for broke, and we can have our suitably over-the-top blowout for the finale. And then we have direction. 
I'll admit that I wasn't t terribly impressed with Michael Chavez's previous work, which included the not-so-great Conjuring 3 and the misfire of The Curse of Yadorona. So what's different this time around? The first is this movie's use of shadows and dark places. Half the reason old buildings are so creepy, as I alluded to earlier, is that they aren't always the best about letting in natural light, which means places like stairways, basements, or even a chapel can feel oppressive and creepy. It's also a perfect place to hide or remove the silhouette of Vladek, just to linger in the background when someone can't see them. It means that Chavez's other impulses, like quick edits, at least have a build to them, even if, even if his sense of geography still needs work. The second change is a better use of small movements and moments and misdirection. I'll take a moment from the opening scene. We've got a little bit that's borrowed from the Changeling and previous Conjuring movies. Kid has a ball. Ball goes into a shadowy area. Ball mysteriously comes back. Kid investigates, and just when you think the ball is going to come back to him, a glass shatters behind him. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but it does make a lot of this film's more jump-scare-heavy moments feel earned and helps them linger after the fact. The verdict is, it's an improvement. Though still not as grounded and creepy as its brethren, The Nun 2 is a solid improvement on the original. 6 out of 10. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.